Yeah, it's the internet. It's conspiring against us. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on Ruby developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average Ruby developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues. This episode is sponsored by CodeShip.io. Don't you wish you could simply deploy your code every time your test passed? Wouldn't it be nice if it were tied into a nice continuous integration system? That's CodeShip. They run your code. If all your tests pass, they deploy your code automatically for fuss-free, continuous delivery. Check them out at CodeShip.io. Continuous delivery made simple. This episode is sponsored by Rackspace. Are you looking for a place to host your latest creation? Want terrific support, high performance, all backed by the largest open source cloud? What if you could try it for free? Try out Rackspace at rubyrogues.com slash Rackspace and get a $300 credit over six months. That's $50 per month at rubyrogues.com slash Rackspace. Snap is a hosted CI and continuous delivery that is simple and intuitive. Snap's deployment pipelines deliver fast feedback and can push healthy builds to multiple environments automatically or on demand. Snap integrates deeply with GitHub and has great support for different languages, data stores, and testing frameworks. Snap deploys your application to cloud services like Heroku, DigitalOcean, AWS, and many more. Try Snap for free. Sign up at snapci.com slash rubyrogues. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 180 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Avdi Grimm. Hello from Pennsylvania. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Kinsey Ann Durham. Hello. Did I say it right? Yeah, you said it right. Awesome. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. I am a software engineer in Denver, Colorado. I work at a company called Go Spot Check, which is an awesome smaller startup out here in Denver. We do paired programming 100% of the time, and I work on the Rails API, and also I've been working on the Android stuff this week, actually, so that's been super fun. Very cool. Before we get going, I just wanted to let folks know I got an email from a friend of mine, Alan Branch, from uh, Less Accounting, and they have a little mini conference that they do for people who want to get into consulting or who are doing consulting, freelancing, and want to find out how they do things. It's called Less Money. So if you want to check that out, they've got about four spots left, and he just wanted to let people know that those were available. So go check it out. I went through it, and it was terrific. So if you're thinking about going freelance or anything like that, go check them out. Anyway, so uh, I watched your RubyComp talk, and you talked about kind of the, I guess, what was it called? Becoming a software engineer is inspiring a new generation of developers, and it was kind of the unorthodox way that you came into programming, which now is becoming much more common. I'm curious, you know, what, what your experience was coming up through the ranks, through RailsBridge and what have you. Can you kind of give your background and 
tell us where, where you came from there? Yeah, definitely. So I hadn't, you know, written code when I was younger or really had a lot of experience with computers at all. Um, you know, besides Excel in science classes in middle school and high school. But I was an advertising major at CU Boulder. So very much focused on like, marketing and communications and that sort of thing. And I did a RailsBridge workshop and it completely changed my life. It introduced me to coding and just this whole new world. My stepbrother is an awesome Rails developer. He's actually on the Rails core committer team now. Um, He's really awesome. So he's just so smart. And whenever he talks, I just thought he was talking in alien language. So it was definitely really intimidating. I didn't think that I was smart enough, obviously. And yeah, so got involved with RailsBridge and learned that I, you know, that I could do this and really loved it. So, and now I actually have a job as a developer. <laughs> awesome, you're a pro. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a pro. Uh, you get paid to do it, right? Yes, I do. I get paid to do it. And then you're so, a pro. Yeah, it's awesome. That's really cool. So, RailsBridge, aren't the workshops usually like a couple days or a week or something? Or just one yeah, day? I don't remember. They're actually just two days. Okay. You get your machine set up and then you work with a TA to, you know, build the applications that they have through their curriculum. And then what did you do after that to start getting into it? I, you know, a lot of people who don't have a traditional background or have been writing code since they were young go to like a boot camp, something like that. I fortunately didn't have to do that, even though there are times where I'm like, oh, I should have done that. (laughs) I worked with mentors and friends and learning on my own. And then I was able to get an apprenticeship at ThoughtBot, which was awesome. And that was kind of the first time where I really started writing code full time all day, every day. So I think it's so cool that apprenticeship programs are becoming more common. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's really cool that ThoughtBot has that program. Yeah, and they're becoming more common, which is also very nice. So I know that several companies in Chicago, Denver, Boulder, ThoughtBot, I think is based out of Boston, if I remember right. And they have some spots out there and in New York. And so, you know, a lot of the major cities have setups like that where people can come in and get experience. And several of them are paid apprenticeships. Yeah, yeah. ThoughtBot's apprenticeship is paid, which is awesome. So, you know, you don't have to starve (laughs) while you're doing it. And I think it's really important for companies who can take juniors on to be doing stuff like that. You know, there is such an influx of junior developers and just not enough senior talent to be able to mentor. One thing I think is really interesting is that, so in your talk, you talked about how you thought that people needed a degree in computer science in order to get in. And then it turned out that, you know, there are other ways of getting in. The boot camp seemed to kind of split the difference on that where it's intense training for three to six months, depending on which one you attend. And then there's the fully blown four-year degree. And I'm curious, what do you think the advantages and disadvantages are of the way that you came into programming? What's harder and what's easier? I think the people thing is easier for me, (laughs) to be honest. You know, I went to school for like communication, advertising, that sort of thing, really studying a lot of that. So I feel like that part comes naturally and easy to me. But the technical stuff definitely is my disadvantage. And, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, like if I had only done like a computer science major, that sort of thing, to have a deeper understanding. Because for me, because I didn't come from like math science or computer science background, I feel like I'm having to learn a whole new way of thinking, not just, you know, concepts that I'm using day to day. 
So I feel like that's a huge disadvantage and not having done that for, you know, a long time, like a lot of people. Can you give an example of something that seemed like, you know, a computer science-y concept that you had trouble with because you weren't exposed to it? Even just yesterday, I was going, learning with one of my coworkers about like closures and stuff like that and kind of like how going down to like references and pointers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that I did not, I guess, I don't have a lot of knowledge in. uh, Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, well, Ruby doesn't really expose that. Is that something you ran into doing the Android work? Yeah. (laughs) Did you feel like between coworkers and resources that are out there that you were able to figure it out enough, you know, to get the job done? Yeah, definitely. Um, my coworker is awesome and he really took the time. He like, drew things out for me on paper, was really able to teach me about it and kind of like a human level, I guess is mm-hmm. a good way to put it. And having that or having a mentor or someone who can sit down, like I looked up something on Wikipedia and I was like, this makes no sense. You know, I feel like I'm, I can't understand what this is saying, but he was able to have someone sit next to me and explain it and walk me through it and draw a picture was so helpful. Yeah, and I'm sure if I was sitting in a, you know, intro to computer science class learning about that stuff with 300 other people, I wouldn't have understood it either. So for me, it's like working with someone one-on-one mentorship has been a really, really big part of my career and doing this successfully, or trying to at least. (laughs) I'm just curious, as far as mentors go, you know, how do you find mentors after two days of RailsBridge? Yeah, uh, luckily, I because I had worked at an advertising agency before I jumped into this, and I had friends that I knew there who wrote code, just different people that I knew in the tech community in Boulder and Denver. It's awesome because it's a pretty small community here and very open, very awesome, and that's, you know, the reason I love the Ruby community and want to keep giving back is because so welcoming and people are always willing to help and answer questions and spend, you know, three hours on a Saturday helping you and teaching you. So I was just really fortunate to find people like that and (laughs) was able to convince them to help me, whether it was buying them lunch or coffee or something like that. There's an idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because uh, for clients, you know, they pay a whole lot more than it costs for lunch to get my time. But yeah, Yeah. if somebody wanted mentorship for an hour or so, yeah, they could buy me lunch and I'd totally be like, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I'm easy when it comes to food. (laughs) But anyway, so one thing that I see as a barrier for a lot of people is that they don't feel like they can pay for the boot camp, and they're not really sure if they're ready or willing to make that jump to make a Mm -hmm. career change because they're comfortable and invested in the industry that they're in, even if they're not necessarily happy or they are happy, but they would be more, they think they'd be happier if they were doing code. What do you say to those people and and what advice can you give them as far as making that change? Yeah. And I definitely think things are changing in that regard. I think boot camps and immersive programs are awesome. The problem is, though, that now there are so many graduates from these different programs that the market is becoming, you know, super saturated with junior Rails developers, making it harder and harder to find a job. But yeah, I definitely don't think that everyone should make the jump and making sure that whoever was interested really knew that they wanted to do this as a career and was willing to put in the time and the hard work. I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was and still is. And every day I still feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle. So I guess you just have to really want it and really be hungry and really know that this is the career for you. Have you felt like people have been overall supportive or have you run into any attitudes that have kind of pushed you back? 
Yeah, I've definitely ran into attitudes that push me back or make me doubt myself and what I'm doing and, you know, pursuing this career. So that's definitely really hard to hear, especially in the beginning. Very, very discouraging. But that's more so I've heard more encouragement and have people that are, you know, on my side and support me, which is awesome. I feel like we don't always understand the things that we can say that can really discourage someone. So I'd be curious if, if you're comfortable about, you know, some of the statements that you might have heard that discouraged you. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not on purpose. You know, I do talk a little bit in my talk about, you know, if you're going to be a mentor and, you know, really influence someone's career and path in this industry, that it's really important that you're careful with what you say and how you handle yourself, even down to your body language. Things that I heard that were just so discouraging were like, how come you don't know this? Like, you should know this. This is really easy. So having people being shocked that I didn't know something or getting frustrated with me. And that's definitely easier said than done. It's hard if you are frustrated with someone to not show that. But definitely being aware of sentences like, you should know this. Because then it just makes me feel Mm -hmm. stupid. (laughs) I also have had people, like I was in a different country, so not the U.S., tell me that I should be a secretary or I shouldn't be a developer. Oh, wow. That sort of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think the surprise thing, it's often referred to as feigned surprise, although I guess sometimes it's real surprise. Yeah, that's something we don't always think about. But it can be really discouraging, make you feel like, you know, you don't belong here. Uh, I guess I'm really, I'm kind of lucky that, like, I mean, I don't have a formal background either. And I jumped in feet first. Um, You know, I was working at a really big defense contractor when I was 18 years old. And and I'm looking back, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm amazed that I didn't get more of that. You know, I had people around me that had been working on that stuff for years and years. And they would be like, "Um, do you know what big O notation is? I'd be like, no, I don't. And they'd be like, okay, here, let me show you. It's really simple. You know, that was incredibly valuable to me. Yeah. And I've, you know, gotten a lot of support. Like I said, even my coworker yesterday, just, I didn't understand something. He just took the time out of his day to really explain it to me and make sure I understood that. And I think more often than not, that's been the situation, even though there's, there are those times where you get that kind of like, what are you doing? Or you should know this. Also, you know, even having my parents who don't really understand being like, Hey, you don't want to sit in the back room in a back corner writing code. <laughs> that's not your personality. But, you know, pairing all day, I talk all day, I communicate all day. It's definitely doesn't feel like that. But I, you know, and I do think to bring up, you know, the gender thing that it's harder sometimes as a young woman to be taken seriously in wanting to be a developer and an awesome software engineer, just because it doesn't really fit the typical mold. And I've found that to be true. You know, I'm the only woman, I was just, you know, interviewing and going to constant interviews where it was just all dudes all the time. And that's a situation right now at my work. I'm the only female on the engineering team, but it's awesome. And I haven't had any issues. And But it's just like that at a lot of companies. Hmm. I want to address the stereotype a little bit of the programmer that sits in the back room and writes code. I mean, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we get people past that idea when they're looking at making the switch, I like writing code, but I don't want to be that person that sits in the back room and has pizza stains on my shirt and whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly think that's changing, luckily, with all these awesome like outreach movements and getting younger girls involved and making cool toys that are for girls, girly toys, but are, you know, foster like engineering and that type of thinking. 
So I definitely think that's changing, but I'm not sure of like a good, you know, solid action plan on how to remove that stereotype. And it's hard because, you know, we have shows on TV and, and movies who just keep pushing those stereotypes. Yeah, We had quite the conversation last week about women in tech, but I am curious about your experience in just, you know, any barriers that you've seen or anything that you've run across coming into this industry. Just in regards to being a female or not having like a background in um, oh. natural science. Yeah. I think my biggest setback is really just like that technical strength and being able to reason through big, hairy problems and know how to break things up and how to solve the problems and how to think like a software engineer. I definitely think that's one of my biggest barriers. And, you know, I've only been doing this for a couple of years, so I don't have a ton of experience thinking that way and training my brain to think in a whole new way. So I definitely think that's been my biggest, biggest barrier so far. I know a lot of people who will tell you I'm not good at math or I'm not very good at analytical thinking or I'm not very good at, you know, name some other skill that seems to apply very uh, heavily to, you know, deep computer science. What do you tell those people and what techniques do you use to uh, cope with or compensate for the things that you don't understand? I vigorously take notes. So even when I'm pairing, I don't understand something or I'm introduced to something I don't understand. I write it down mm. and I go back and revisit, revisit it later, whether it's just myself or with a mentor. That really helps me feel like I'm constantly learning and staying on top of things. Yeah, and I definitely don't feel like I'm a great analytical thinker, but all I can do is try and keep trying. And every day I feel like I have a little bit of gain. <laughs> so just keep doing it, I guess, would be my advice and have awesome mentors who can guide you in the right direction. I'm curious what impact do you think uh, some of these pilot programs or outreach programs have? Mainly, you know, things like RailsBridge or, you know, some of the other ones where they bring people in who have never really touched code before and expose them to it. Yeah, I think they're amazing. You know, I would not be sitting here right now talking to you guys if it wasn't for RailsBridge. And I can say that very confidently. So I'm so grateful for like Sarah May and Sarah Allen for starting those initiatives and keeping those going. I think they're really important. And I've just seen so many, I volunteer a lot now for RailsBridge and run a lot of them here in Denver, Boulder area, and just seeing the impact it has even on this community and seeing people who wouldn't otherwise self-select into programming doing it and enjoying it and loving it and changing their careers. It's its really cool and empowering to see. So I think they're really important. Well, what is it about the program that they get right that does that? It's an awesome environment. Like, you don't feel pressure. You can ask questions. You do not feel stupid. You just have time where you can really just sit down and learn and have things explained to you in a way that you understand. So just being in a room with a bunch of people who are like you and learning that you can do this. So you build like a Rails application in one day and deploy it on Heroku. So just having that sense of accomplishment and having that sense of, oh, I can actually do this was a really big step for me in this career, I guess, just starting it. That's really interesting. I want to compare it a little bit to my experience because my experience is much more along the lines of what you talked about the traditional experience being. So I graduated from a university here in Utah, Brigham Young University in 2006 uh, with a computer engineering degree. My job while I was at the university was actually working for the university in their IT department. And so I had a lot of technology exposure and a degree in low-level computing concepts. And, uh, you know, several of my courses were 
computer science courses. And so when I moved into software, it was very natural. At the same time, I felt like the curriculum was very structured. And so when I came out of there, I came out of there with a lot of exposure to a lot of computing concepts that I I don't know if you can absorb them over the course of, you know, even three months. But then again, a lot of it is theoretical as opposed to practical um, when you're taking the computer science courses. And so there's that trade-off. So I'm curious, you know, Avdi, what, what your experience is as well and what some of the differences are, you know, because I, I didn't do a lot of freeform coding, you know, it was mostly just for my classes. It was mostly throwaway code and I had to learn what the industry was really like when I came out of there. And I feel like, you know, the experience that uh, you get coming up through the ranks, the way that you did it, Kinsey, and the way I'm I'm assuming Avdi did it. I'm not super familiar with your early background in programming, Avdi, to be honest. How that's different and, you know, maybe some of the perspective that you had on the industry that I just didn't because I was insulated from it in academia. Well, I mean, for me, okay, so I did, I wasn't like, I wasn't coming from nothing. I'd done a little fooling around. I mean, basically around the same time that I was taking some I have a grand total of three computer science courses in my background. I took like beginner, intermediate, and advanced C and C++ programming while I was in community college. And that was like, that was it. So it's not like zero background. And I think I'd I'd fooled around a little bit with programming before then. But I don't know, you know, I can't say that I felt, I've ever really felt like it's held me back much. I mean, there's certainly, there are some jobs that I think it has held me back from getting. Um, In retrospect, I'm not sure I really wanted those jobs or I'm kind of glad that I didn't go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there are some jobs that involve a lot more sort of analytic computer science-y stuff. But, I mean, my perspective on the on the industry as a whole is that it is an incredibly young industry. And I think anybody that says we know how to teach this stuff, or even we know how to reason about this stuff, I think that's a dubious statement to make. I mean, we're still fooling around with, like, does it make sense to model software as objects? Or is that just kind of a, an arbitrary model that hurts as much as it helps. Um, and there are good arguments on either side. But, you know, there are other ways, lots of other ways of modeling software, too. You know, we have all these different different models that you, you should see the software as this in your head. Well, it isn't really that at all. It's a series of bytecode instructions. So, I don't know, I mean, this is kind of rambly, but I guess my point is that it's a very young field, you know, and so I don't think that formalism is really a requirement at this point. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think generally the degree helped in just the exposure to it in a regular formatted and thought out way. But yeah, I've never, I've never had it come up where my degree made or broke my ability to get a job or to do my job. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, the, I will also say, I was kind of avoiding saying this out of respect, but there was also the experience when I was, you know, working at a big corporation, like there was sort of the, the general experience that fresh outs were the worst. You know, the, the fresh outs from the colleges were the worst because that you had to take them and then actually teach them how to program. <laughs> yeah, there, there is some of that. <laughs> it sounds like, though, that you were actually already doing real work while you were in school, so that probably helped a lot. Yeah, it did. I didn't really get into programming professionally until I was running a tech support department for a startup out here, and when I said, we need software to handle our support load, they said, uh, no. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll build it. And so um, myself and a few other folks in the support department actually started building our own software to do our work. And that's where it kind of clicked for me. Oh, this is A, really different from my experience in college, and B, really a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, this is great. This is actually making me feel better. I was just have been feeling down that I don't have that background and feel like I'm, you know, missing out on something big, but you know, I know how to use Git and I know how to write software in like a real world applicable <laughs> way. So I guess it's definitely has its advantages over having theoretical knowledge, even though sometimes I really do feel like it, not having that background holds me back. But maybe just because my different perspective or coming from a different background, just opinion hasn't been taken seriously yet or in the industry. I think there are trade-offs. I don't know that the trade-offs make one path in necessarily better than the other. And I think it depends a lot on the work you're going to be doing and who you are. So I know some people that just plain old aren't cut out for sitting in a classroom, you know, for four or five hours every day for college and then going and being in the computer lab until midnight every night to do your homework. Um, and, And there are other people that are. And uh, at the same time, I felt like once I got into the industry, a lot of the training that I received in college helped shorten that learning curve a little bit because I had already been exposed to the algorithms and ideas that I was going to be lear- using to write code. But at the same time, I didn't understand the pressures or the processes in writing production code. And mm-hmm. so those were things that, that I had to learn. And you kind of get this idea that writing software is like it is when you're writing it for school and it really isn't. And so there, you know, there are trade-offs there where, you know, people who come up the other way through an apprenticeship or through a boot camp or some other way, a lot of times they're being exposed to a lot of these ideas and being treated like professionals. And so when they come up through the ranks, you know, they learn a lot of those skills that you need to have in order to write solid production code that you don't pick up in college and you have to learn after the fact on the job. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, you know, the power in programming is, you know, organizing organizing solutions and organizing thoughts and then, you know, putting them into a syntax that the computer will understand. And you don't have to be a math genius in order to do that. And in a lot of cases, uh, the way that people think about things in these other fields like communications or art or whatever, you know, they can apply some of that to the way they think about their code and find really elegant and clean solutions to what they're after. You know, they work well, they work efficiently, and they're not something that, you know, I, with my training and background, would have come up with. So I I don't think there's a wrong way in. Yeah, and I think one fundamental truth that I've found over the years is that every, just about every complex concept in software engineering is a relatively easy to understand concept with a fancy name. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think of ever running into a concept where it was like, wow, this really takes a ton of background study before I can even begin to understand it. Usually the only one, things that have felt that way have just felt that way because the, the available tutorial material was badly written. Again, it's a young industry. 